Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers from Inside Scientific. Inside Scientific is the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today, we are joined by Anil Kumar K. Reddy. Anil Kumar is an assistant professor of medicine, cardiovascular sciences at Baylor College of Medicine. He's here to speak about non-invasive blood flow velocity measurements to quantify changes in hemodynamics and characterize cardiac disease without the need for complex surgery or imaging. Let's jump in. Okay, so uh, we've had a few questions come in about uh, this particular topic, namely, how does one make the measurements without knowing you know, anatomically where you're measuring from? And part two of that question, I suppose, is how do you know that you are measuring you know, from, a, from a particular artery or aortic location? Thank you, Martin. Uh... That's an important question because a lot of people do have that question and it's hard to imagine without having an image how to find where it. One of the things is, uh, as I mentioned in my presentation, is the knowledge, having knowledge of the anatomy. And a lot of times when someone is trying to learn this, they come to me and I want to learn this procedure, I tell them that you need to know your anatomy and then know where to play, place the probe and also practice so usually when people come learn with me they're usually within one hour they're starting to get pretty good signals of course you know people might say there's a big mistake like, but that's not true most of the time they get it right away and then with practice over the next two weeks once they go back to the their labs and practice it you should be able to get a very good hold on that. The second thing is, how do you know where, what vessel you are measuring is the shape of the waveforms. That's the key. You need to know the shape of the waveforms and the timing. And so that will be also a learned thing over a, a couple of weeks time. And for some of the measurements, it's like, for example, pulse wave velocities. If you are just mainly focused on pulse wave velocities, the peak of the velocities are not very important. The timing is important. So again, there are kind of compromises where you can go back and forth. But without imaging, it's you need to know where to place the probe, and that's usually offered during the training time. Okay. I hope that answers the question. Perfect. I, I think it would. And you, you mentioned that every pulse wave velocity profile has sort of a distinct profile. Is that true also in a normal versus deceased state? Does it maintain a distinct profile? Yeah, most of the, for example, if you're looking at aortic outflow, for example, what you would see is the peaks diminish, go higher or lower or the timing, the ejection time increase, depending on, then you may, in some cases where there is the valve dysfunction, you may see some regurgitation, and that'll show up in the waveform as well. And uh, so you can distinguish, but the sh basic shape of the waveform doesn't severely alter. The What you will see is that diminished in the peak or some of the uh, extension of the time. Hope that that answers the question. Okay. You, you had mentioned uh, in your previous response that, you know, one needs to know their anatomy. Yeah. Dr. Zhuang, specifically at Yale, has asked, you know, about anatomical landmarks 
for the probe when you're trying to measure from different locations of the aorta. Can you comment on that? I assume there are specific landmarks. Yeah, uh, for making cardiac measurements, you would go from just below the xephoid, and uh, that what that does is it gives you the distance about a centimeter to where the aortic outlet is, aortic valves, and then the mitral. If you go from the xephoid, that's for the cardiac. For the, as I had shown in the picture of the vessels, carotids, you go from coming from the head towards uh, the uh, aorta, so it's almost uh, you're parallel to the body of the animal, the longi longitudinal axis, if you will. To measure from the arch, you would go perpendicular to the body of the animal, you know, just above the heart location. And uh, sliding a little below that, you would see the coronaries, and again, you are perpendicular, the probe is perpendicular to the body, aiming towards the heart, and you can get the coronary flows. Uh, femorals, again, uh, you would go further down in the abdominal, same thing, again, from the belly area, you you hold the probe, you can either hand hold it or put it in a micro positioner and get those signals. Uh, typically, I would say most signals I would hand hold because you would get signals faster and you have better control over getting those signals because of fine adjustments that you can make with your hand which are not easy to make with the micropositioner. But, and so from many of these locations, you can orient the probe as low as possible so that the angle that at which the beam is intercepting the flow is very low, preferably below 15. For some cases where we are measuring from the left and right carotid, if the angle, if you maintain the angle from the left to right, because you're getting ratios, it doesn't matter if you, you don't need to angle, do angle correction because it's a ratio and it cancels out. So, hope that answers the okay. question. I know we have had lots of questions come in about the pulse wave velocity measurement, specifically how one determines the distance between the two probes. Can you comment about you know, how to go about doing that and how to accurately and repeatedly determine the dimensions. One of the key things that uh, we do is we definitely know, if, given the, the if, if the audience remembers the picture that I showed for pulse wave velocity measurements at the arch in the abdominal, definitely somebody will question, you know, there is a curve, how do you determine that? What we do is get a straight line measurement from point that we measure up in the arch to the point we measure in the abdominal aorta. And we get a straight line distance between the two points. Now, you got to be, for a given operator, you got to be consistently uh, doing the measurements with a certain angle. In the arch, you're almost parallel to the arch, so you, have, you, you can get that signal, and then in the abdominal, you can get the signal, but the distance that you are measuring from those two points is the key. First time you measure, you may have four centimeters. Second time you measure, you may have three and a half centimeters. The key is to measure that distance consistently. The curve part of it is always there in the measurement, so it's factored in for the correction. My take on that is that if you continuously measure, if you do that consistently, that curve part of it is going to factor into the value of the pulse wave velocity. There are other ways to do it. Now, if you're doing two segments simultaneously and with a 
uh, fixed distance. For example, we also can do this in the ascending aorta going to the carotid artery. And those distances are almost straight. And if people are concerned about that curve, they can go from ascending aorta into carotid artery. That gives them a smaller segment, but you at least get a straight segment, more straight segment there to measure your pulsary velocities. And okay. Perfect. All right. So hopefully that satisfies you know, everyone that has asked about that uh, particular issue. And now 40% of our audience responded to one of our, our polling questions saying that they do use larger animals in their research. Mm -hmm. How is it possible to use this device in pigs and how would they go about doing that? What needs to change? Yeah, one of the things when it gets to larger animals, the the question switches or the situation changes from non-invasive to sort of invasive, where we have cuff probes similar to the ones for transonic flow, for example. But the cuffs go extravascular. You implant them and uh, tunnel the wires out, and then you attach the doctor probes and you can monitor them. And we have done this in dogs several years ago when we had a dog lab where you would put probes at several, implant them and leave them in and the wires come out. And then when we want to monitor them, then you would attach them to the system and collect the signals. And that's one of the reasons why I'm saying because these are high frequency probes, you cannot put them on the surface and do non-invasive measurements because they don't go deep enough. So if you were to do large animals, then you would have to go for clinical echocardiograph. The, the cheaper solution is to put flow probes or flow velocity, you know, cuff probes on this, and then you can get the velocity numbers or the waveforms. Okay. Thomas at Case Western Reserve University has asked, you know, what are the sampling rates, I guess temporal you know, sampling rates for the waveforms? And um, you know, is there anything that one needs to consider when it comes to data storage about setting sampling rates, uh, recording yeah, sure. time, things like that? In, in the case of small animals, we, we, the Doppler system actually, we sample at a very high rate. We sample each of the audio signals at 125 kilohertz. So that's 125,000 samples per second on each of these channels. It becomes, in mice, we typically save about two seconds worth of data, and that gives us enough cardiac cycles to get an average number. And the size of the file that we save is about a megabyte. You know, you we have saved over the years a lot of data, and we, we back it up, of course. But with computers today, I don't think that's a major issue. Unless you want to continuously sample a larger you know, get like a monitor over a period of time. Typically what we do is when we give a particular intervention, we do it at intervals. So give an intervention, we collect a sample before, we collect a sample 10 seconds or 30 seconds, one minute later and so on. And you save that sample and uh, you get intermittent that the transition points or as the drug effects or drug starts to affect or wash out as it washes out. Yes. Okay. 
Perfect. Let's ask one more question. This seems like a fairly challenging application, but I guess maybe it um, sort of gets down to the, the, the nitty-gritty details of the capabilities of a system like this. Uh, Dr. Zhuang asks if you can measure right coronary artery, left coronary artery, and left circumflex flow in the same mouse. But right now, we can measure from left main because that's where we, we are very sure because the vessel comes straight at the probe as we're placing. We haven't measured from circumflex or the right coronary artery. Now, I can uh, one of the things that we are currently pursuing is looking at right coronary flow and to make that measurement and that's in the works, but right at present we can only measure from left main. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. For the full webinar, please see the link in the description. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.